Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Boom, we're on. We're there. Yeah, and today's guest, we've got Come Dizzy on. Rasco. Honoured, man. Honoured. First of all, thanks for coming on the show, brother. Yeah, like I told you, man, I'm, I'm a fan. It's crazy that I just, in the lockdown, I just come across your um, your podcast. It's, it's a podcast, isn't it? Yeah. Naturally, I watched um, the, the Nutty, Nutty Redder from uh, the, the guy who was a football team from oh, Essex. Oh, Glenn Tamplin. Yeah, yeah. And I watched the whole thing. I was like, rah, this is going to... Then I ended up getting into just, just watching nothing and Darren G... I'm watching nothing and sick. Yeah, sick. appreciate that, man. Yeah, it's great man. to have people like yourself watching my stuff, man. Nah. It's unbelievable. Shows you how far I've come. Know what I mean? Yo, yeah, yeah man. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I dropped you a message and you say, fuck's sake, brother, I watch your stuff, man. Yeah, random, yeah. random. Like I said, it's fucking, yo, the energies or whatever. Yeah, Real. synchronicities, the law of attraction. Oh, yeah, man. and that goes for anybody watching. If you believe it enough, you will manifest that for real. So watch what you watch what you watch what you wish for, man. Yeah, exactly, mate. So be, yeah, mm. be careful what you wish for is a very true saying. So, yes. for a man who has nearly been in the industry for twenty years, two thousand and three, your first album, Boy mm. in the Corner. Yeah, unbelievable so. album. Proper. You brought you started the rap game in the UK, I believe. That's crazy. Um, phenomenal album. Proper, especially when you've got Americans who are. Killing at that point, you had Eminem on top, and then the UK came through at 17 years old, and now new album coming out, which we'll plug straight away. Yes, sir. this is nearly 20 years F. later. Yeah, yeah, fucking plug it straight away. Yeah. So where can people get this album? iTunes, everything. We're putting it on record tape. Every, we're going back to the basics, man. With like everything, everything you can think of. Amazing, because a lot of people are saying you're going back to your roots because it's kind of the same colouring, yellow, black, the album okay. cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's Is that, that true? You're going That's like my, that's like my superhero colours now, yeah. man. It's like, they know when it's black and yellow, it's, it's going to be game hard. game time. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll touch on all this stuff. Yes, sir. Wait, I always go back to the start of my guest, brother. Yeah, man. Where you were born and how yeah, it all began. Yeah. So, 
I'm from Bow, East London. If, any, uh, if anyone knows where that is, just basically, if you're coming from the south, it's right outside the Blackwall Tunnel. Um, and in between Hackney and Newham, pretty much. Um, I was raised there. I learned, I learned all the, I feel like I learned all my best lessons in life, or most of my best lessons in life there. Community, music, and that's where I learned music. Um, well, let me get into that then. So I learned music just by, say around the early, early 90s, jungle drum and bass was massive. So you just get guys that were bedroom DJs at the time. So I'll just hear it coming out of, I don't know, Gary Slater or, some, or someone on my, on my estate. They'll be playing it, rinsing it. Just well, that, that was the thing then, innit? So then that's when I discovered Pirate Radio. So I'd, I'd listen to it and I find, around the times like hardcore and jungle. Like, so that's, that's when I got introduced to that. So then that, that just opened up my mind to something else. And just, that's the first music I proper fell in love with. I randomly got into like heavy metal young as well. I think that was again through someone older on the state playing it and being and be like, wow, what's that? And then just, just got into it and then moved on to grunge or whatever. And then eventually hip hop, but hip hop would have been through, again, a friend whose big brother gave him the Snoop Dogg, the second Snoop Dogg album, it was The Dog Father. And then he borrowed it to me. And this time, these times it was on tape. That's the first rap album I heard solidly. And I had a friend who, who played me the uh, Bone Fucks and Harmony album and that, that, that rinsed that out. So like I said, yeah, all my, all my lessons in life, all my music and all that I learned where I grew up. From a very young age. Yeah. I think that's where the best albums come from. The people who's kind of lived it, who's kind of seen a lot of shit in their life as well. I think that's where people get a lot of the inspiration. Mm. You look at guys like Tupac, Snoop Dogg, They've lived a lot of life of pain and quite dark times, and I think that's where because a bit of poetry in there as well, isn't it? Oh, definitely, definitely. I was definitely quite vivid and kind of think outside the box, especially we're talking that boy in the corner, and just and then it would, and there's the, all these mad sounds that I'd use and all that as well. So a lot of that came from, especially with that album, came from guy who was my manager now. Anyway, he's been my manager since there anyway, but he had a studio. And he'd produced as well over the years. So he just had a collection of all different keyboards, equipment, um, not plugins, um, units, whatever. And it's had all these mad sounds. So then me, Wiley, Roll Deep, all these, like we all used the same shit. But then when, when I used it, I was just on some different shit. What's that? Find the dirtiest, maddest sound. Yeah. And use them. And play, just play different shit and put and whatever, spit on top of it. So that's why my album just sounded like some next shit. But mm. I was influenced by everyone you, you both said as well. Yeah. So that's why I, had the, I think I had the, um, I was influenced by drum and bass and garage MCs because they gave me the pride to sound like where I'm from. Because rapper, the UK rappers at the time kind of sounded like they wanted to be or was trying to be American, where garage and jungle MCs were still kind of. More sounded like they were from down the road, even though they'd have some a bit of that Jamaican yeah. thing to them. They still sounded local, but then at the same time, I was influenced by Tupac, Snoop, and all that. As far as being like being an album album rapper, like wanting to make albums, yeah, like, a, a whole body of work. What age did you start writing for? Boy what? in the corner. Oh, okay. Boy in the corner. I've, some of them lyrics I had from radio, so I know you're saying the album came out like 2003. 
but I would have written some of them lyrics like from like 2001. So a very young age to be. Yeah. That's a lyrical genius, man. That's proper shit. Thank you, man. Yeah. Well, I, you know, it's, I learned to write bars. I, I learned to rap on drum and bass. So I actually had to slow down. So mm -hmm. I, I basically, I learned, see how, see how you came when, I, when you come met me downstairs yeah. playing jungle in the car? Yeah. I learned, that's that's the tempo I learned to yeah, ride. Yeah, the car was fucking shaking. It was booming, yeah, yeah man. <laughs> and that was just for me driving, we just driving down and, and think about other tunes and then, you know, you lead on to another tune, yeah. innit? And then, yeah, so drama bass just influenced me so much, but I learned to write fast and then learned to slow down. But like I said, I was into the vivid writers. I was into Tupac, Jay-Z, the people at the time that I realised were good storytellers. Yeah, because that's where rap comes from and as American. It's mm. definitely, nobody heard that in the UK, especially way back in kind of 2003, which was nearly 20 years ago. You that's, you started, you opened the door for a lot of the guys now in this era too. Definitely, definitely, yeah. Do you and get a lot of respect from that? Yeah, I feel like I've been giving my flowers, man. I can't yeah. Like, you, you can't have it all because like I said, it's like, it's how many years on, you've got, you've got people that are smashing it now, they're over 10 years younger than me. So, and and, and they're, they're the voice of their generation. You're the so. most successful rapper in the UK. I, I, I'm the most decorated. Yeah, five so, number ones. You've got five albums at the top ten. You've got every British award. Yeah, There's, I think Tiny's got more number ones. I'll give him Has that. It? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If I bastard, a that. <laughs> cheeky bastard. Yeah, but he's got more number ones. But I've got more awards. I've got got mm -hmm. like I'd, I'd more. I've got what? Is it three three gold albums, two platinum albums? I'm all right. Yeah, yeah. How does that make you feel? How does it make me feel? No, no, it's always good for look, yeah. like being, see, being because you live it. Because well. you live it, it doesn't really feel as big as people looking from the outside. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I, I heard a thing about Arsene. Not, not, I'm not to this extreme. I see like Arsene Wenger. I, I heard that he never kept none of the trophies or nothing that, that in his house. Yeah. So he just kind of just got on with it. I'm not quite like that. My shit's up there above the telly, like above yeah. that nice thing. But. Yeah, you don't always think about that stuff. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you're reminded. Like I just got an, another award recently um, from Grand Daily. By the time this goes out, where well, you'll be all right. But it's from Grand Daily, so you, you always appreciate it, especially later on. Yeah. But um, no, nah, it's not. It's not why you do it. You, you the biggest, the best thing, other than take being able to take care of your family because of because of the music and that. Yeah. Is just people just feeling your shit. That's mm -hmm. why you make it. Like, of course. Like from the, from the beginning, there's like, we used to pay to go on pirate radio just mm -hmm. to be heard. Like, it was only 20 pound, but 20 pound was something then, you know yeah. what I mean? 20 pound to go on there for the month. And you just wanted you just wrote your bars and I made beats too. So to go in there and help like cut them on dub or whatever, I didn't have them, have DJs playing them and MCs MCing on there. Mm -hmm. That's the best thing. First time hearing your shit on radio and all that. Yeah. So that's kind of still about that now. But you need the rawness, don't you? But you still need to move with the times. Yeah. But again, I still listen to Tupac near enough every day. You, the bruv, game, yourself. Yo, it's there, Do you know man. what I mean? It's um, On my Spotify, it's there. I'd start to listen to Tupac again. You know why? Because sometimes the classics are just the classics. Yeah. You know? Like, you try and listen to new shit, but it's okay to just still like an old shit, you know? And yeah. I've been telling myself recently, yeah. yeah, a good idea is just a good idea. Exactly. Like, it doesn't yeah. matter, in a hundred years. But good content stays forever. It is where it, it is, It fucking man. stays forever. Because man captured, yeah. some, especially Tupac, yeah. he captured some shit that is rare mm -hmm. now. Yeah. And I think a lot of rappers, American rappers are terrible just now, if I'm honest. They ain't got, the, the compared to back in the day when you had Dre, Tupac, Jay Z, but then, but then it's a case it's of different, no. But that's but no, no, we're not. See, we're at that age 
a Jengis Kozma well getting older. Do you know it's mad? Yeah. Do, do you ever think you'd be at that age where yeah. you'd be like, oh, like, how old are you? 36. 36. Oh, so you're a year older than me. Yeah. So we're like, we're exact same generation, uh-huh. but we're at that point now, like, ah, oh, nah, it was better back then. But the youth's now listening to their shit. Think I'm it's sure that they think that's the, yeah. that's the shit, innit? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah, I get yeah, it. Like, I still think, you know, I listened to new because when I was making this album, I was trying to compare it. Like, I love my album, but there's 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 just a sound quality in the shit that was coming out in the 90s and early 2000s, again, because they were using hardware, it weren't mm-hmm. just all plugins or whatever else and yeah. all that. So I've bought a bunch of keyboards and a bunch of shit now because mm-hmm. I want a bit more natural sound. So my next shit will just like, will be a bit more like that. But you, there are differences. There are like, there mm-hmm. are real differences, not just our world cunts. Like, they're, they're right, they're like, you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, I, get, yeah. I get what you're saying. Though. Yeah. I get it. How was your schooling? Because I know you got the name yeah. Rascal from. That's part of your name, isn't it? Does okay. it Rascal's from your schooling? Teachers used to call you Rascal. Yeah. So looking back in hindsight, I was troublesome. But I think it was a, it was a, it was a case of whatever. Like, I guess... Mi- I'll say boredom. Cause I, now I'm older, I think everybody is wired differently and everyone's everyone's learns differently. So see when you're when your kids, you've got the school structure, the school system and their curriculum of how everyone is supposed to learn. And then around that, sometimes they, they might cater to people with a bit more special needs, or sometimes kids who are just way too smart. You had some kids in the only ones they they were geniuses and they, <laughs> they had to have a bring a tutor yeah. in because they were so you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Then everyone else is kind of just has to kind of fit into whatever's happening in it. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a kid that just fitted in easily. So sometimes I would act up. I'd act up a lot. To the point where I went, I, when I came to secondary school, I went to four schools. So, but what I did pick up from there, what I knew I always loved was music. So I actually looked forward to, to music so much that it got to a point that the last school I went to, I just went to music class. So I'd go to I'd go to uh, my music class before school. So eight in the morning, I'm in there. The teacher let me in, and it was like a back room where they had a computer because I'd already knew how to use Cubase or make beats mm. from the school that I just got kicked out of. But now I had time to kind of really do it there. So so I got to the point where before school, break time, lunch time, and after school, I would just go into music to the point where I actually got kicked out of that school officially. But the music teacher niced me, and they let me come to school but just come to and stay in the music class. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's what that's what school ended up being. Yeah, like. but I think trying to fit in the box, man, and sitting at a table, 95, and it's not f- for everyone. I nah. was shit at school. I had dog right. school. I left school at 15. But you're not thick. Yeah. And I said, even and then even look- But late, if you're a visionary, on, they try and make you feel as if, follow the fucking rules. If you don't know your times table, if you don't know your certain words are, then you're thick, but your your grades should not define you as a person. No, no exactly. And then and then even even though I, when I say ah, oh, you're not thick, like it's not even meant to be disrespectful to anyone because like think there was a time when they couldn't even when they didn't even diagnose dyslexia or sh- shit like that. And I know that some guys that like are legends, mm-hmm. actual legends that were dyslexic at a time when they didn't know what dys- when they didn't yeah. weren't even diagnosed, so they were already treated a certain way as dumb. Basically, yeah. but but based on what they've done, it's not possible for them to be dumb yeah. after school. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? But that system wasn't for them. Not to even to put down the system mm-hmm. because like every system, it was obviously designed at yeah. one point to kind of just get through people. Yeah. I guess it's training people from nine to five. Yeah, I think yeah. Einstein says that I think everyone's a genius in their own rights if they right. believe something. And there's a man, Les Brown, who I was listening to a lot back in the day, was a motivational speaker. And he says... 
people's opinion of you doesn't have to be a reality. Right. Because a lot of teachers say, oh, you're dumb, you're this, you can't do this, you're going to have no career. But yeah, yet, the most successful people in the world have. But, but even that, isn't, that's, what, what is the teacher there for? Why would a teacher say that to a kid? Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not, it's, that's not acceptable, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not good yeah, enough. Exactly. Like, what are you doing? Uh-huh. Like, Mm-hmm. You, you like you're a grown adult. Uh-huh. You're already out there in the uh-huh. world. For you to be telling a you like, yeah. it's there's something wrong with yeah. you, man. There's um, twenty years later. You've got another album coming out. Yeah. Nearly twenty years later, which mm-hmm. I think is fucking phenomenal. I know you don't like talk, t- talking about this subject, but it's a big mm-hmm. part of your life. Right. And I want to ask you some one thing from it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah. When you look at guys like 50 Cent, the game, 50 Cent was shot nine times, yeah. the game was shot five times, you were stabbed six times, nearly died. Right. Do you think because you are centimetres away from death, that is why 20 years later you're still succeeding because you know how fast your life can get took away and you know how life is short because these guys are still succeeding also? No, there, there's a bit of that. There's a there's a bit of that. You Yeah, you take... But to give myself credit, like even before that, if you think about that, I was like 16, 17 mm-hmm. and in the studio till like six in the morning when, yeah, I was out and about, running around doing stuff I shouldn't have been doing as well, but not as much as I could have been. And as soon as I had the opportunity and the chance to really knuckle down and be in an environment, I yeah. was in there. Mm-hmm. So I think the drive's always been there. Been you there. Know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, but I, that just put things into perspective that fuck this, I'm going to succeed even to this day. No, nah, uh, a tough I, w- one? I want to give it credit, like yeah, but I don't know. I just think that you would have still succeeded anyway. I even have to give some, yeah, I have to give some credit to my mum because grew up, grew up single mum, raised me on an estate. But I always watched my mum work. She, so she had a she had a normal job that she did, mm-hmm. um, and then she, mum um, would do everything from be the Avon lady, Tupperware. Yeah. Um, selling toys for, on, yeah. for Christmas. Like after. Yeah, and my mum used to go to not far, from, not too far from mm-hmm. here. I go to Slough. There's, there's a, like industrial. Um, uh, what you call it? industrial? Bit fucking complex thing. Whatever. Where, where there's wholesalers. I used to go and get clothes and bring them back to the estate and take me around for and go and sell them. Like she's going wholesale. Yeah, go mm-hmm. and sell them on the estate. Then I picked it up. Then I start going there by myself. Like from boat. Like everyone knows it's, it's quite a far distance to be doing at like 14, 15, mm-hmm. whatever. So I always had drive. So it's like I said, it didn't. For me to be in the studio, yeah, like that with Cage and all that, and be there. Like, like I said, until early hours of the morning, I'll be there. I'll get there with my mates sometimes and then they'll go. I'll be there all the way through the night. And th- these times it was in, the first one was in Deptford. Then it was like, then we moved to Bermondsey. Boy in the Corner was made in Bermondsey and Sheffield, randomly enough. <laughs> part of it, yeah. yeah. So then, so, but when we was in Bermondsey, so in Cajun, I'll be there in Bermondsey and then he'll drop me back to bowl, go through the rubber house and then go back to where he was going and we'll go and do the same thing thereafter. So the mm. drives away, the, the, the stabbing thing probably made me like, just look around me more. And question like, things. Question people and like, yeah. you know what? And then even two years later, I actually, looking back on it now, that was a bit of a, that was a bit of some, some bitch boy shit went on. Yeah. Like people that were older than me that like, 
and and you you, you stay and you can't say certain things to, to people and explain it without sounding like you're being bitter yourself. But it's actually some fuckeries. Like, yeah, of course, some, and no yeah. matter, you'll still get this to this day. But yeah. that kind of stuff just makes you more aware. I believe that's yeah. You, you from, just, from yeah, early. you question everything, but the only thing is your trust issues goes. And I always say this: I don't fucking trust anyone because yeah. the more successful I'm becoming, I'm realizing the more. Sharks that are swimming around me want me to fuck up. Nah, it, it, it gets like that and it doesn't stop. And sometimes you have to just take your mind away from that and just like, I have to remind myself to just enjoy what I do because at the end of the day, I actually got rich and famous off my hobby. Yeah. Like for real. Yeah. So every now and then I have to tell myself to breathe. Like you're like, you're, you're like focused guy, innit? Mm -hmm. And you just want to, you don't want no chinks in your armor. You just don't want no yeah. L's. You just want to think Keep forward all the forward, time, innit? Yeah. But then sometimes you have to remind yourself, like, right, you already won. Like, from, from <laughs> yeah, where you're yeah, from yeah. and what you've done, mm -hmm. or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where you got yourself. Mm -hmm. like, that's sometimes it's down mm -hmm. to you. Everyone ain't always out to get you. Some people, you know what? One thing, I'll never forget Richard Russell said to me once. He said to me, he was in, his, um, in the thing, and I was going on about something, and he said, people tend to really care more, mainly about themselves or what, what they think. Really, he's basically like telling me, um, get over yourself a bit. Yeah, <laughs> there's a bit yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But basically, I thought that mm -hmm. it's true. Most people actually just care about yeah. what they've gone look at. Go and look at the comments on Twitter. When people leave comments and thing on there, what, what are they doing? Mm -hmm. They want everyone to see what they think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's where it is, isn't it? Yeah, I get it, man. And again, it's to focus on you because I always say, well, your focus goes, your energy flows. So I don't give it too much attention, but to be successful is a lonely journey as well. See, after your first album dropped, did you distance yourself from a lot of friends or were you still with the same group? I, I distance, but you see, as a kid, you have different pockets of friends. Yeah. So because I was doing music, what, what tends to happen, which carried on for a while, is that you, you're around your, your friends who are around in the day. And at that hate, who's around in the day? They're, like they're usually up to no good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's you've got that circle of friends, and then eventually, sometimes you end up falling out with them because whatever they're just doing, what they're doing, and their nature's kind of to fall out of each other anyway because of the type of shit they're doing. It's like sh drugs in it. It's, yeah. it's very snaky, in it. So just that fuck shit is just there anyway. And then guys not understanding that they can't come with you everywhere. So then you end up just becoming a target. They, people think you're getting you're doing alright you're mm -hmm. getting it and you're not bringing them in and all that kind of stuff there but it's like well, you don't do any you don't, don't even do what I do mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. like, like, why do yeah. people feel as if you owe them something do you get that no, like, there's, there's always been a bit of that and, that, and that's even when I was helping I was always petitioning people do you know what the problem is it's when you stop it's not even so much they're not doing. It's mm -hmm. when you stop. There's always going to be people that feel like you don't do nothing for them. But but who the fuck? When have I ever done anything? Like, what, <laughs> yeah, what are you on yeah. about? But then there's the people that you, you've always done things for, done mm -hmm. stuff for. It's when you stop. That's when you see the problems. That's when problems start. Mm -hmm. So I've always thought like, ah, oh, the hardest rappers, yeah? The ones, the most hard, whoever thinks the most hard. Like, sometimes they've got it the hardest because eventually as gangsters, as whatever as they are, you got the most, you got the looniest people around you yeah. and you have to cut some of them loose. It's just, mm -hmm. it's just nature. Yeah. It's just the nature of you, as your thing mm -hmm. gets better and as your life gets better, the music industry, yeah, there's, there's like, there's some, there's some dark parts of it. Yeah, why but do overall, you think that is like gangster? Why do you think it's rap is identified like gangster, gangster rap? Why does it get that reputation, do you think? No, because it, it's, it's just natural. Same way with grime or with garage or jungle, or any of these things, like, like you're coming from an underground settlement, like, well, underground settlement, you know, yeah. No, you're just coming from an underground thing where who put on the rate? Okay, so pirate radio. My thing comes from pirate yeah. radio and raves. 
who put on the raves and who put on who built the stations? Mm-hmm. Just like usually drug dealers. <laughs> if, we're, if we're being real, <laughs> yeah, the whole thing yeah, is yeah. that most MCs are drug dealers or the DJs are drug mm-hmm. dealers. It is where it is. Most things are coming from council estates. Yeah. So council estate, like just like the schemes or whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's poverty. Mm-hmm. Like it's working class. So that's not not that that's all that's going on there because we know full world. That's not. Yeah. Most I feel like most people are just trying to get on with it, innit? But there's more temptation to do bad, bad. No, I don't even want to say that because there's a lot of rich people doing some fuck shit as well. Let me get back to my point though anyway. But the whole gangster thing around, I guess, urban music mm-hmm. or whatever, is just like, come, it's, it comes it's where from it comes from. Yeah, American side of things, like Tupac, Biggie shootings well, and stuff. Like to, I think that's, like, a, that's, a, that's a society. Well, no, because gangster shit has been in the music industry, anywhere there where there's yeah. money, man. Like, what Frank Sinatra and that up to? Yeah. No one talks about that. Yeah, that the was, mafia. Come on, yeah, bro. Like, yeah. it's like, Proper. Come on. Yeah. Like, they, they, they fucking, gangster shit in the music industry, yeah. like, they played a big part of that. They mm-hmm. were the kind of beginning of a lot of that. Yeah, the Vegas so stuff. It's though. always been yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, because even Tupac, he was never a gangster. He was into arts, acting, poetry. Yeah, but, all, but anyone who's even rapping, is, it's an art. So it doesn't yeah. matter how you could be rapping in the booth with an AK. <laughs> yeah. But what you're doing yeah. is no different mm-hmm. really to like, even if you murder someone in the booth mm-hmm. and you're rapping about it, it's still, it's still art. Yeah. Just like, just whatever, any storytelling, mm-hmm. any kind of thing, it's there to dish that and entertain, to move people. Like, that's yeah. it, like and because look, look at the majority of people into gangster rap. They're not gangsters, are they? they couldn't possibly yeah. carry it if it was just down to gangsters yeah, yeah, <laughs> into yeah. gangster rap. Yeah. Just the same as uh, movies. If it was just down to mm-hmm. who reams, who reams, uh, reads crime or thrillers like books, yeah, and all of that. It's not just. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, like. Saying that, so, I know a yeah. few people who's watched Scarface and they think they're a fucking gangster. Ah, uh, Scarface. <laughs> you know, this thing, Scarface was mad to me. Scarface, because I, I watched it later on in life. So, oh, did you? Yeah, I was old enough to say, I, oh, I don't understand what the bit, like, he's an idiot. He fucked up everything. Mm-hmm. Like, Killed? Like, yeah, he, he his mum hated him. He got his sister fucked. He got his best mate fucked and his missus hated him. Mm-hmm. And then everyone comes to shoot him. And yeah. the one bit that everyone holds on to is like, yeah, but he went yeah, out like yeah. a G. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's it. Like, it's like, oh, no, cool. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, but you tend to see drugs do that to people. Fucks their mind. They right. feel untouchable. Been there myself. Um, so when you started after the first album, how did you deal with the fame? Boy from the streets, changing his life, becoming successful at a very young age. How did you deal with that? Because you seem very level-headed, even with your interviews. Mm. You don't fuck about. You speak the way you want. You, your words will never get twisted. So how did you learn to be quite level-headed? How did you deal with the fame at the start? I think some of it, because I did get to watch Pay As You Go, Maxwell, um, Soul Solid to an extent, and uh, More Fire Crew. I remember I came directly after but I was around, especially, like I said, more fire crew, repair as you go. So I watched what happened. I watched guys try to extort guys, like on all, all of the like the dark shit. I saw it for myself. So I learned how to just, okay, be low key. That's what you have to do, don't, don't flash. And a lot of it was, was people they knew that were onto them, as well as just whatever city-wide or nationwide, you go to a place, Whoever's the guys there, trying to make themselves known. We're all used to that, innit? That's like that's that's normal. You go to a place, guys want to make themselves known. They have become friends, or they're onto you. It is where it is. 
but I just just learn learn to just I try not to attract too much attention to me early. Mm-hmm. To the extent where it's nice, no, mad. You see my first video, I I love you. I didn't want to be in the video. I was so because that's on pirate radio. People didn't even know know what we looked like, and then we do these raves, and the tape packs went went around. Even with the, with the pirate radio, it was tapes that travelled across the city, then travelled mm-hmm. across the country. But our faces weren't known, so I was used to that, and I kind of I liked it. Yeah, that means I wasn't getting stopped everywhere or whatever. But um, later on, it's time to be in videos. I didn't want to do it, but overall, I just laid low and I just tried, always tried to just ah, uh, don't say too much or just try attract unnecessary attention. Yeah, I think that's the best way to try and. A private life's a best, the best life, I believe. I think that's where a lot of people fail because they chase the fame, the attention, they feel as if... Because they don't know what it is. Yeah, it's bullshit, man. Yeah, a majority of it yeah. is like a lot of unnecessary stuff. And then this whole thing about you and people expecting you to be a role model. But but I don't know. But they're not... They're when, the type of, when I was younger, the type of attra- uh, attention I'd attract was like you just be like in a situ like you'll be able to mind your own business and get into a situation mm-hmm. like that like gets dangerous just because but, but you're expected to just yeah. still be like a role model mm-hmm. like and that's and like I said that's what happened with a lot of people before me like because there's still that attack even if you're moving on the right path there's still that element of whatever the streets or whatever a bunch of people that are not looking at you like that or they're just looking at you as food or they're like so you you constantly have to deal with that too whilst being mm. in the public eye so when it when all that did happen to me and I did blow up around the first time around like yeah it was a bit mad because at the, t- at the same I was kind of the blueprint as well because I I, I only one that kind of out of those groups that I named that kept going as a solo artist onto the next album and onto the next mm-hmm. album, onto the next album. There was, there was nothing before me, for me to look to for guidance as far as moving yeah. forward. Do you feel as if a lot of pressure comes on you then because mm. you became the blueprint that, yeah. because if a lot of people are watching you for inspiration and you fuck up, then it can put out someone else's light. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you were the, you were the, the, the front runner from such a, to, to produce album after album after album, does a lot more pressure come on your shoulders then to release the second album, the third album? I think that was my own pressure. I think that was not my own pressure. Seeing, seeing, even like when you're saying about, oh, after I got stabbed, I, woke, I came back from Napa. I, was, when I went to the studio. Like I was still like, like, I'd had the stitches taken out and I, w- I was skinny. I went in a great state. Went to went back to the state, went back to the other like, yeah, see everyone, like, they thought I was dead, like, just whatever, chatting to everyone and then but then I got back into the mold. I think you know, I've just got an obsession with the music side. So all the extra stuff that you're talking about, all those outside elements of all mm-hmm. the pressure of all that, there's that in in there as well. But the main pressure, yeah, was just that like, I just wanted to be the fucking guy. When it came mm-hmm. to like this rap, I went to make, make the best shit, have it out, and have the biggest shit out. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's what really drove me. Yeah. So that's when you feel most alive when you're in the booth or writing music. I fucking hate recording. Do you? I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Like cause it's actually quite. If you're doing it for it's like it's quite tiring. Yeah. Like cause I'm gonna do that like, when I'm disciplined. Mm-hmm. It's like oh, I, don't, I didn't like that take. I have to do it again. Yeah. Like otherwise I'll, I'll be angry with myself when mm-hmm. when because it's, you, know, you see like. Once you're in the vibe, you have to catch it. Yeah. And that's what people like Tupac were good mm-hmm. at. 
like he, when you hear and you hear the vibe, you hear that they, they, mm-hmm. they caught a moment. Yeah. So that, but doing that sometimes, sometimes you haven't got the energy. You haven't yeah. got like your energies ain't there. Yeah, so it just feels right. Yeah, yeah, yeah I feel yeah. better making a beat. Mm-hmm. And then there's times like for years I weren't inspired. I stopped making beats after my third album. Up until 2017 is when I started making beats again. Mm-hmm. So for a whole, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? bunch of years I just didn't but do you feel as if that's good though to re-energise and get away from all get away from it all and just enjoy your life as well because yeah. I'm a workhorse mm. I'm scared to take a step back in case I lose it all so I kind of need to keep like the first few years I think is, a, is a non-stop hustle I just feel as if I don't want to stop because there's always somebody working try to work harder but I, yeah. I don't believe anybody's working harder than me do you feel yeah. as if that break though re-energised you to go well, fuck it it's game time again well I was fucking around in Miami and Caribbean and <laughs> Sorry, LA and Texas and all that <laughs> and things like, which I'd been it's crazy because I went to America like in 2003 mm-hmm. the first time and would go, would go over there to tour and do all my promo and all that and have some fun but not like when I went there in 2009 up until when you went to the like yeah, 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 like, yeah. And just enjoying myself still making music and that mm-hmm. but um so I understand about yeah. Sometimes just having a, having a breather and that, mm-hmm. that, and just enjoying and just doing doing things for yourself. I was out there by myself and so made a whole new bunch of friends. A whole got a whole another life out there. Yeah, you know what I mean. But then yeah, you do want to come come back. You get back to the grind. Like see what's important. Things have changed. The game's bigger than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. A whole bunch of new rappers. Whole a bunch of new next generation. New sounds. And it's like oh shit. Okay. And that, and that's where see I was saying earlier on about. What you've done in the past is cool, legendary, been given your flowers, mm-hmm. but it's not enough fuel to, to drive me and keep me cool today. Yeah, It's just done. It's cool if you smash, do some, put something out, smash it today, then you can add it to all of that. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. You know what I mean? But, yeah. but until this, now, nah, I need to grind, you know what I mean? But people make one album, they think they fucking made it, and then you don't hear from it ever again, or one single. That happens, yeah. You're seven albums deep, man. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I learned as well? I learned that it's actually okay. One, one year, I think I was in um, Serbia. I'm sure it was Serbia, somewhere like that, yeah. when, when, when that, that part of, uh, Europe just kind of just started opening up to festivals and now, now it's the thing you've got Outlook Festival Croatia like that's a thing now mm-hmm. but we were going there just as they kind of opened it up and it was like and um, I was at a festival and there's like a Indian guy come up to me and he goes Dizzy what's good what's good what's good he had dreadlocks I'm like oh, what's, what's happening man he's like oh, yo it's me man he said yeah bro yeah um, you know what yeah, Apache Indian I was like, Apache Indian? I was like, oh, fucking Apache. Wine your body. Yeah. Your, remember uh, yeah, that yeah, back yeah, in the day? Yeah, yeah. I remember when I was a kid, boom shakala. Yeah, like, yeah, it was yeah. massive on the mm, telly, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, and I was like, rah. And like, he was there, like, he was like, yeah, I was a Rastafarian now, he had a whole roots band. Like, I, like, like said cool and all that, and kind of mm. had a nice chat, left it at that. And I thought about it, it's like, rah, that guy's got one song that I know of. He might have had some others, I don't know, but that's, he had one song and he's still traveling. We're in Serbia. It's not like we're in England, okay? we're in yeah, Serbia. Yeah. So that means he's traveling the world, have at least, I don't know how many years, but at least 15 or something years later, mm-hmm. and prob- uh, probably. So it's like, okay, you can live off, actually, you can actually live off one tune. Yeah. Like you can, mm-hmm. he, he seemed all right. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? <laughs> he seemed yeah, all right. Yeah. So every time I put too much mm-hmm. pressure on myself, sometimes mm-hmm. I remember that. It's nah, nah, you're, it's all right. Yeah. You're good. Even if you didn't release any albums, you could still, 
travel the world and sing your songs you because did. the tongue and cheat album right that was a fucking monster went mad monster yeah man went mad and that that, that was like really was the biggest um I took a chance. There's a big gamble. You kind of changed up the 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 sound and the, the mixing and everything was different. But right. pe- why why do you think people related to it? It's about because it was bonkers. It was fucking kind of, but it's genius as well. You know what? I want to sit here and say yeah, you know, it's cause of that. But you know, the God on His truth is I don't, I can't, I don't really know the answer. I just mm. know if I base it off what I see it do to people when I'm at a show and how people jump up and react. Not only they could tell me, but I just know what their actions are telling me. And mm-hmm. they, they are just jumping up, going mad, and they're just letting loose all inhibitions. They know all the words and they go off. And I guess it's, it's it's an event. Those Each one of those songs is like, whatever, Dance With Me, Holiday, Bonkers, especially those three, they're like an event. It is like kind of euphoric. Mm-hmm. And it's a bring everyone together, they bring everyone together songs. But it wasn't like I was making, like, oh, I need to go pop now. It weren't really, like that. The first one that came was Dance With Me. So that came off the back of, I just said I had three gold albums. So I was signed to XL Recordings, which were, they're an indie label, but they're a huge one. Probably mm-hmm. the biggest in the UK is them and Domino, I think. But I think XL might be bigger. So I was done. And so it's about, about the re-up, because I'd done my three albums about the re-up. What happened was, I'd, whilst making that last album, I saw a Calvin Harris song on the TV. It was acceptable in yeah, the yeah, 80s. Yeah, yeah. And for whatever anyone mm. thinks about what Calvin Harris has done in the last few years, yeah, which is fucking huge anyway, mm-hmm. but it's like some people, it's really mainstream, isn't it? It's become the mainstream. Except when the 80s, nothing sounded like that on the radio, on the TV or the radio at that time. It was perky, you had those synths. It was almost like some 80s music, like yeah. it was really quirky. And I was like, rah, what, yo, who's that? What's that? And I was like, right, I'd be sick if I could get an MC on one of his beats, like on a beat like that. Oh, would be, that'd be good. And I thought about it and I kind of just had it in the back of my mind. Then he made another song with um, with the Mitchell Brothers. They, at the time, they were, they were called the Mitchell Brothers, where some from Forest Gate. And um, when I saw that, it wasn't a massive tune, but it had rappers on it. And that's when I said, yeah, like, mm-hmm. you can rap on these songs. So... I met him at Radio One Big Weekend. And um, I said, I, I approached him like, yo, like, I love, like, you're sick. I love what you're doing. It would have went something like that. I don't mm-hmm. know exactly what I said, but like, yeah, like, like basically, let's work. Let's let's do something. It'd be cool, innit? So then, I don't know, think, think, sent a few ideas. I can't remember what happened. But I ended up writing something, writing those lyrics on Dancing Me to another beat that I got sent by another another dance group. Or I can't remember who it was. Groove Armada, I think. And then my managers heard it, it was like, yo, it's good. They think these lyrics will go better on something else. That's when I got Calvin to send me something. Mm-hmm. Sent me that beat, practiced the words on them, that's go and re-record them, got the singer in, blah, 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 all the rest is history and all yeah. that. But that's, that was how I went, that, that got into, that's what started that album. But it's a game changer as well, isn't it? But yeah. again, it's fucking scary to take risks. Yeah, and it's not like, I, I think I tried to make a pop attempt before on my second album. I had a song called Stand Up Tall. But it was still coming from an underground vibe. Yeah, because the if you listen to Stand Up Tall, the drums are actually, if anyone knows a tune called Pulse X, it goes bong, ch, ch, bong, bong. Mm-hmm. Ch. It was big on the underground. All the MCs used to MC on it. Some people would say that like that, that kind of birthed grime. There's kind of the eight bar switch. Mm-hmm. 
right? But so that was a big that was a big tune, yeah. But for the record, I birth Graham. Yeah, but um, but stand up tall was like a pop version of that, mm-hmm. but was made by the guy who made um, Pole Six. So I guess that was the first time I tried to make like mm-hmm. a poppy kind of tune, and it did it, it did well. I'm sure it was, I'm sure it was like number ten in the charts, and that was good for me at that time. Um, I was only on my second album, like I mm-hmm. said. But then fast forward to Dance With Me, and then um, Bonkers just came randomly. I didn't ask for that. I was in Denver, so I was doing like an American tour, and I was in Denver in a hotel. I was in the hotel, because we'd, we'd come back, and the show had actually been canceled for whatever reason. And um, I got sent it, listened to it, and it had the Bonkers on it. And I remember thinking, oh, right, this sounds like the music I hated when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I didn't like house music or that poppy house shit, or, or shit that you used to see on the telly, like, on yeah. top of the pops and yeah, all that yeah. sash. I'm calling for one. That's what I used to think. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? I didn't like that. Uh-huh. But by this time, it's like 2008, 2009, something like that, late 2008. And I'd been to IB for. By mm-hmm. now, I'd been to IB for now. Partied, enjoyed, understood. Yeah, the music. Yeah. yeah, I'm yeah. Like, oh, okay. Uh-huh. I'd never been in a setting before mm-hmm. to, un- to get it and understand it. So that's how I was able to write bonkers. Mm-hmm. Like, not even write that it. That still gets played everywhere, Crazy. even to this day, mate. Yo. Fucking nuts. Man, did it, did it at the Olympics. Yeah. So, see, when you, when you were writing that, I mean, then it's all done, produced. Do you listen to it and go, this is going to be a fucking banger? Nah. Was there any sort of. Nah. nah. I wrote it. That's, I didn't even write it down. I just remembered it because it's that easy. And um, came back to England, r- recorded it, and then didn't think anything, didn't even think about it again. Because hmm. I didn't think it was that good. That's mad, isn't it? Because it was too far from what I was doing, I guess. Maybe I even, maybe I even had to think about you it. From where you started? Yeah, like that kind of, I'm not sure about yeah. that. I just knew it bang was like, not, not something I would have mm-hmm. tried to make. It's just yeah. that I knew who Armin van Helden was because, mm-hmm. again, like, in I'd a, be fair. Yeah, no, but even before that, he had the yeah. tune, what's it called? Gotta be, what's the big tune he had? Uh, you be. don't even know me. And because that used to be on the box every fucking day. Remember mm-hmm. the box, the music yeah, channel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I me- and I remember the video and it's like, oh shit, that's how my man held it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll do a song with him. Went, went until like a few months later. Yeah, a few months later, my manager said like, um, like you're going to want that on your album, yeah? I said, what, you, you think? He said, yeah, <laughs> like you're going to mm-hmm. want that. I'm like, all right, cool. It wasn't until... I, did, I, did, I was doing a UK tour and, st- and I just played it. I'm sure, I, yeah, I played it. Or was it dancing me? I played it. Yeah, I played Bonkers at the end, just, just at the end of my show, just to like, ah, just like, ah, here's another tune. Got, yeah, like, you see mm-hmm. what you're saying. I so think, you weren't feeling it at all? No, in fact, I'd already had, no, Dance With Me had already mm-hmm. been number one. Yeah. So we was in Liverpool, we played it and it went mad. And I'd never seen a song that, that, of mine being played to a crowd for the first time and then be like the climax of the whole night. The response. And I was like, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, we knew that, okay. And yeah, it was number one. Yeah, that's phenomenal. Fucking great tune. Great tune. Crazy. How do you feel? How's Calvin Harris? Good Scottish man. <laughs> fucking hell. We're not talking about, yeah, I was just going out having fun fucking about in yeah. America. So I'd go and see him. So I'll, I'll go to LA. He's living in Bel Air. Go to the house. All right, this is how you're moving. Mm-hmm. I like it, and he's got the, the the dreams studio set up that he built himself. Like you go there, you, he comes down in the golf buggy, the golf cart thing, whatever, <laughs> takes you out there. Ah, oh, man, and then you jam him for a bit, and then yeah, the Vegas residency. 
So then, it's like, let's go Vegas. I want to come with y'all. Like, go there, drive to, um, I can't remember where airport it was. Well, it's the one just that, not that. Is it Van Nuys? I can't remember. We just go there, get on his jet. His jet. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it was his jet. Get on the jet, fly to Vegas, go for the hotel. The different entrance. He's got the different, he's got the, he's got the different, um, the different room. He's mm-hmm. got the, like, I mean, like, yeah. oh, you need to spend a million. If you're, you need to be better than a million to get even near, anywhere near this mm-hmm. thing. And I don't gamble, so I don't even know that, but that side of it. But I knew it was where the big boys play. Went backstage, just saw what he was doing, looking around like, fuck, this is like, and just understanding the money and just all the moves that was being made around this yeah. whole thing. Because really, what are they doing? They just fucking, they just break man. Just EDM just caught on to him in America and they just managed to fucking just give shit loads of money to to DJs to sell yeah. at oh way over way overpriced mm-hmm. tables to whatever oligarchs and whoever else like who don't even really give a shit whatever because they can in it and then um and then we'll just get the jet back. <laughs> so we just like literally like, <laughs> like, go about 35 minutes on the jet mm-hmm. to work do the thing hour and a half two hours and come back that's how he's living like, fucking fair play yeah, he's a superstar he's a superstar nah crazy for where he's came from to what he's succeeding now is unbelievable I think that's also good business for you it's good strategies everything's levels mm. so for you to go right I'm going to get him guys like Robbie Williams as well working with these kind of people just enhances your shit as well and to put it together and, and create bangers as well shows the, the talent and the craft and the visualisation oh, and the definitely. fact to take risks is great yeah and also sometimes I just want to see what I can get away with innit there's, there's a bit I want to I wanna just take all of that praise yeah. and like yeah he's right I'm a fucking genius but then sometimes yeah it's just that like what can I get away with yeah. and that's why I've done some things where people are like what the fuck is he doing like yeah, push the boundaries yeah, yeah push the fucking boundaries but then sometimes yeah sometimes it ain't even always about the music sometimes it's about where the, sometimes where the music takes you because like, like you said with Robbie Williams okay then he actually wanted me on Rudebox years before that and I wasn't ready. But Why? I just, at that time, I wasn't ready to be on Rudebox. I heard yeah. it and I wasn't ready. <laughs> I weren't ready. But then we did our tune and then mm-hmm. we actually went to... He wasn't supposed to be on the tune, actually. I had that... I recorded that song in LA and Example was supposed to do it. And then he couldn't sing it at the time. I can't remember why he couldn't sing it. So then, and then, so we had no one to sing it. And then somewhere out of, out of the blue, I said something about, "Ah, oh, Robbie Williams is around." I said, "Robbie Williams, like, yeah, <laughs> like that's mad." Like Robbie mm-hmm. on a, Robbie Williams on a train, that'll be mad. So then I went to his house, and at the time, he was living in one of his fucking four or five mansions. Yeah, yeah. But this this house he was in, um, I think it was Ringo Starr's old house. And Paris Hilton and Slash were his neighbours. I remember that. I remember, yeah, just being in the yard. He had, again, he had his own studio. He showed me a bunch of his car, showed me a bunch of stuff. We talked about Tupac and hip hop because he's yeah, a massive Tupac yeah, man. Yeah. And I saw the photo of him and Tupac at the Versace party. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh shit, like you party with Tupac, like shit Did like he? that. Yeah, like shit. if you get, if you ever get Robbie Williams, yeah, on he's it, and I think, on. He's a big fan of the podcast. No, I, I can imagine yeah. that. I can imagine that. Yeah, you, like it'll it'll tell you anything about rap music. Trust me, like he like he knows his shit. Because he, like, yeah. he's a brother from the ends, really, isn't it? Yeah, he's a fucking megastar, absolute megastar. He, he is, yeah, but he's still a as big guy. as he is. He's yeah. like. 
He's from no more boy from a castle. Yeah, of course, man. He's had yeah. his problems as well. He's changed them, and yeah, he's he very did. big into like conspiracies, aliens, and fucking. He told me yeah that he he that, uh, take that did a massive concert yeah. I don't know if it was Nebworth or somewhere mad where it was huge yeah. And he said the vibe was so mad, so big. He looked up. He said aliens were above the light, flying saucers. Yeah. He told me that. Was he taking drugs at the time? He wasn't taking drugs <laughs> at the time. He told me about. I don't know if I'm supposed to say. He definitely told me that he definitely spent a few months in the back of his garden, like eat up or whatever the mm-hmm. fuck. He, he's done a lot of mad things, and he told me yeah, there was a there was a ghost in his house as well. And he he, he asked Ringo about it. He said, "Oh yeah, yeah, it's there. It comes in every now and then." He told me a bunch of mad yeah. shit. He told me a bunch of mad. Mm-hmm. But my point, going back to my point, was that I got to see how someone who that it's not like take that wasn't the biggest thing mm-hmm. when I was growing up. I got to see that someone in a similar position to mine as well, someone who got big, young, obviously went to crazy heights, but big, young, what it looks like at the heights yeah. to the point where he's living amongst big American superstars. And like it's huge, fucking gets a million for a fucking, for a, for a wedding song, sing, like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Shit like that. So that was almost as important as music. I got to see that. So I got not got to get more background. Like I said, I, there was no blueprint for me coming up as a successful rapper, no one else for me to look at, no stars for me mm-hmm. to look at. There was no one like me. So being introduced to that that kind of life and seeing that, even though I don't, like I said, I'd had a bunch of number ones by then anyway, but mm-hmm. it was nice to see that, okay, someone who's been huge, him telling me about some of the pitfalls he's been through and, and mm-hmm. like some of the stuff he's seen and all the crazy shit and all that. It's like, rah, fucking hell. So, okay, okay, that's available too if you want it. You might want to steer away from some of it, but yeah. this is a guy that's seen it all, has been super honest with you. Mm-hmm. Like, you cut that, that's, and the, the music took me there. That, that might have stopped me doing some shit that might have destroyed me today. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and God willing, He's still blessed. He's mm-hmm. super blessed. Yeah. Fucking Lord. What's his biggest problem? He's fucking arguing with Jimmy Page or some <laughs> shit about that, about building the fucking thing in yeah. like across Holland Park mm-hmm. in, in one of his other fucking mansions. mansions like, yeah, it's yeah. So, like, yeah. it's blessed. Like. Yeah, he seems a right good guy because you've, you've rubbed shoulders with superstars like Pharrell Williams. What's he like? Pharrell, Pharrell, oh my God. He's one of them dudes I always bumped into over the years. Like, he'd be one of the first Americans to like bring me out on stage, like in like mm-hmm. two thousand and five or whatever. He was doing it from then. Did it in England. Did it in Denmark. He's like fucking Benjamin Button, man. He's, he ain't got any older. Definitely, <laughs> but he's definitely done some bullshit as well. Sometimes I'm not oh, gonna lie. He was in Miami once. I'm, I think I see him. Was I see him? At the, I see him out somewhere, and he said, "Yeah, yo, look, I was trying to get in the studio." So we got in the studio, and it was with an artist called Yuna. You know, who's huge, a Malaysian artist. <laughs> I remember, yeah. He um he just did not even no no big deal, but is that one of like, oh yeah, like oh what did he say? We was in there, he said, yo, I'm like No, nah, so I'm thinking of Will I Am. A situation happened with Will I Am. What but was this that? but this thing with Will I Am was in the studio with him. We, we, we was playing we was produce, he was producing the tune. We did a tune together. No, no, he didn't produce a tune. I'm all over the place, bro. That's okay. What, I'm was tired. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> what happened with Will I Am? We made a tune. I made a tune, I wanted to vocal it, so I went to the studio and he was there dancing around the tune going, man, mm-hmm. like he's a bit wacky and that. Then he gave me this whole speech about I ah. Yeah, I'm not one of them producers that likes to, that, 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 like, I like to be there when it's being done. I don't like to be, I like to be there. Yeah, so then, all right, cool. So I, like, recorded the thing, got down to what I was doing, came out, he'd fucked off. <laughs> That's why I got muddled off, because yeah. the first time that happened to me was mm-hmm. for real. 
Mm-hmm. I was in the studio. He said, yeah, do this. Like, Yo, it's dope. It's dope. It's dope. Cool. Yeah, just, just do this bit. I've come. I did it. I've come out. And Pharrell's fucked off. No one's to be seen. <laughs> and, I'm not, and I'm not allowed to take the music. That mm-hmm. wound me up. Yeah. <laughs> All that time Where the like, fuck yeah. they go? What's that we say? Where did they go? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But just to, to bring more t- context yeah. to it, I remember I was doing a TV show called Must Be The Music with um, Jamie Cullum. And I told him about it. And then, it, then he started telling me about a story. He was in the studio for real. And they were recording something and they were watching basketball. And the same same thing. He was doing mm-hmm. his thing. And then Pharrell said, hey, yo, I'm, I'm going to be back in a minute, man. Like, just keep doing what you're doing. It's dope, whatever. Like, he said, yeah, cool, cool, cool. So he was there. And it's like, it'd been a, it'd been a little while. And Jamie was like, yo, like, oh, I wonder where Pharrell is. is like, is he, like, where is he? Hello, where's Pharrell? He'll be back, he'll be back, he'll be back. And I think he said it was a little while. And then he looked up on the telly and Pharrell was there <laughs> at the game. <laughs> and just, just kind of left him there, yeah. shit like that, yeah. There's phenomenal names though. To be working with these kind of people is unbelievable as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but you know, I'm not gonna lie. There's been other people that has been like maybe not as big, yeah. but like better experiences. As yeah, far of as course, making man. Music with yeah, them, yeah, 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 yeah. 2010, you won a Brit Award. Yeah, best male. Phenomenal award. That was crazy. To up against two Scotsmen as well, Paolo Nettini and Calvin Harris. But I think th- Robbie Williams as well. Yeah, but you know what? It was more of you know, it, it meant more because um, I'd been nominated a couple times, mm-hmm. but it was like for the urban or, yeah. or th- those kind of yeah, categories. Yeah, yeah, for your first few albums. Yeah, but it's the fact that it was those categories, urban category, but this one was just like best British it's mouth. I guess. Yeah, so that that was like raw. And like I said, it was a time where I was independent. So so you didn't get signed after your first three albums? Like you didn't? Nah, I, I don't think I mentioned that in the story. That, that, that was the point. So when um, Dance With Me, I should have said that I was waffling on. But basically, they didn't want dance with me mm-hmm. because they did. They, I don't think they was feeling the di- direction, and they weren't giving me the money that I wanted. I thought I felt like I wanted more money naturally, whatever in it. I yeah. thought like I'd done. I'd earned it. So we ended up putting out dance with me like, independently, mm-hmm. just like before I got a record deal with them in the first place. Yeah. We used to basically press up white labels, press up records, and take them to the record shop. So I thought I thought it would be like going back to how it was when I was 17. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, so when I did go no, number one, whatever, with that album, I was so proper independent artist. I, was, I wasn't signed to anyone. I so got it worked in your favour? It worked in your favour then? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's a fuck you kind of thing, isn't it? No, nah, it's just more money thing kind of thing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, basically, yeah. 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 yeah, basically, yeah. How was it? Did you feel it was if when you won your Brit though? Your rewards don't make you as a person, but to win the best meal against some superstars, did you feel as if that was you properly arrived on music scene or do you feel as if you'd already achieved a lot before that? No, I definitely felt like I'd achieved a lot. It was just the way it happened. Did you expect that? I weren't, I weren't sure because I'd, I'd been there a few times and not one, I'd been nominated, sorry, a few times and not one. But to win it like that on after a string of number ones, he's had four number ones on, a, on, on the album. I'd had five number ones, but four of them was on the album. And then I did that big performance with Florence no, I hadn't had four number ones yet because that song that I did with Florence ended up going to number two. I'd had, I'd had, I'd had four number ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was four number ones because that that came after. Uh-huh. But um, I didn't expect to win it because the way the Brits is, it, it's all the majors, isn't it? Yeah. 
basically. So it, it feels like one of them things where they kind of dish it out to each other. So I, I wasn't, I wasn't mm-hmm. expecting me just as an artist with not signed to any of them, with no, just on my own label mm-hmm. to be getting the biggest Brit. Well, the biggest Brit. The, 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 yeah, yeah, they can win, yeah. biggest category. Like, yeah, best meal. After having all that success, so that like, mm-hmm. it was kind of, it was kind of mad. So I went, I went back. But after I won it, yeah, it was like, it's amazing. Because yeah, cause then we got the Mercury, the Ivan Novello Brit Award. Like, mm-hmm. the, those are the three like kind of, you could say most important British yeah. awards. Mm-hmm. So what was it like then taking your break for a few years? Why did you make that decision? What what, what, what was that about? So the next album was the fifth. That was the one with Ad Robbie Williams on it. Yeah. Um, that came out, what, in 2013? I think yeah, I, just, I just went to America. It's the first time I went to America to make an album as well. Mm-hmm. So there was, there was that, was hopping around. And I just, I'd just done so much work back to back. So I think I just was kind of enjoying myself in between. Then I put out an EP and I was making, no, I put out another album. But again, I was serious about it, but I wasn't here a lot. And I was just kind of finding my, wondering even if I even wanted to come back and live in England. It was the first time when I thought about living somewhere else. Why? Like fully. A lot I of fame and attention. Went, yeah, I'd been through so much, like psychologically, like I said, all just just all those things I had to deal with from young, and then I got famous, famous because mm-hmm. I felt like I was popular at the beginning. But then, like after winning the Brit Awards and all that, like yeah. you're famous, famous. Oh, well, lady in the bank knows who you are. Like, you can't mm-hmm. you can't identify who's gonna recognize you in it, and it's mainly loved by then. It can be a bit overwhelming. Yeah. So at the end of 2009, I, I went on holiday. I ended up going to Miami because I couldn't go to Antigua, and I just remember just walking to the beach every day and just just feeling free. And I think that's what kept me over there. And I, I, went, I was supposed to go for two weeks. I ended up staying for a few months and then just kept going back all year and bought a place. So, and then from, from there, I got friends that will come and see me from Houston and then they'll go Houston, like Bun B and all that. I'll go, I'll go Houston, go back and forth. Then I started going to New York again, but I never used to go to New York on my own. I used to go to New York and LA just for work, so I'll go with the label, manager, all this thing, do promo and have a bit of free time out there. Mm. But then so I started going to all these places by myself, making new friends, then going to Vegas, then going Grand Cayman, and going to Jamaica, and going to all these places on my own and just enjoying them differently. And the other thing, growing up here, yeah, I weren't a raver. So my, I'd still get to go West End and all that, but I didn't enjoy it. Like, mm-hmm. not really. I enjoyed some of it or whatever. But I, and then we'd go on tour, do bits and bobs and all that. But it, it wasn't, it didn't feel free. We still had to keep, look about what's happening and all that. Like, if I'm in England, any part of it, you still have to just keep looking about, innit? When I went Ibiza, that's when I started enjoying, like, that different mm-hmm. kind of party and house yeah. music. And, like, oh, everyone's different. Mm-hmm. The vibe's different. Like, okay, like, it's nice. And when I started going to America and all that, that's when I started going to, like, the type of, sh- like, Okay, this is what time it was that turn up. It was about yeah, turning yeah, up and yeah. all that, starting to, yeah, doing all the shit that I see in the rap videos. Mm-hmm. You're still see young, it in man. that environment. You're still fucking young. I know. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? That's why I'm glad that I was able to, to, to take do it my own accord, yeah. but not go too far mm-hmm. to the point where I come back and I'm a wreck and I'm fucked. I don't know what yeah, I'm doing. Yeah, burn yourself out. Yeah. Yeah, I think the break probably done you the world of good. Mm, no, definitely. How's your, your family must be proud of you? Yeah, definitely. And that's, that's the best thing, being able to just take care of stuff you know what mm-hmm. I mean take care take care of your people them. yeah that's, that's the beautiful thing. thing in life that's why you've got to keep pushing forward to keep succeeding and 
they, that that helps knowing that you can you can do that. Yeah, you can take them and hold doing you feel like you can. Yeah, <clears throat> time time is the most important thing, man. Because you can. There's been times definitely where you think just. I've obviously gone through a phase where you think you can just pay for everything mm-hmm. and just give people money or this. Oh, they want that. Just give them that. Give them that. But sometimes, sometimes your time. Yeah, is more important. Yeah, money can't buy time, and it's, it's a precious yeah. thing to be able to enjoy life. And I think that's the thing: balance. It's the memories. Yeah, man. yeah, memories you last for a lifetime. I believe, and yeah. they last forever. Some good, some bad, but I believe the bad ones make us who we are today. Oh, definitely. I've got some bad memories that I can laugh about now. Yeah, I laugh about now. And then yeah. people have been. You know, sometimes you say you you think you've been through some shit. And you tell you say it to someone and you're embarrassed after after they tell you what they've been yeah, through. Like, yeah, oh yeah. shit, all this time I thought I'd have been yeah. through something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the new album, mm. E3. E3 Af. E3 what is that? Af. Is that Af. swear words? Af. Nah. nah, African. Is that? E3 African. So what does that mean then, E3? The E3 African. Is the AF is just abbreviated. Is Af. that? Like back, back in the day, like when you saw an African, they call mm-hmm. them Af. In my area, Af, or you had a Jamaican, a Jamo. Mm-hmm. Who we call it Af. Yeah. So where's the inspiration from this album? Come. A lot of it's, um, I made an album that's like, I've produced a lot of it. So it's mm-hmm. back to me on the beats. Like, so like the early grime shit, original, old school, dizzy, rascal. That's what they're saying, old school, dizzy. They separate the two, innit? But, um, so me making beats, but then I've got a lot of MCs on it. So it's like me back to bar, bars, basically. So everything went from- Old school, does it? Yeah, I know. It's, it's my. I'm 35. I don't, see, I don't see old school dizzy. I'm just dizzy, innit? it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, whatever. And they separate it. <laughs> like, you see, like you got the Beatles fans or the Elvis fans. Yeah. They've, got, they've got different eras of their yeah. fans, innit? it. Like mm-hmm. my, I feel like I've got fans. You've got fans who like all my shit, and there's, there's yeah. some fans who do. They don't. They don't fuck with that shit. Yeah. They make a point of saying, no, 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 not that, not that dizzy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, cool, yeah, yeah. I have to deal with that. But yeah, but um. So then I've got everyone from Getz, Kano. Chip, P Money, Frisco, DWE, all them people. So you know yeah. what kind of album it's going to be. It's bars, like back to back. So it's wicked to work with all those, you excited? All those people. You nervous? Yeah, man. Nah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not nervous now. Now I've got the first video out now. Now it's mm-hmm. done. Is that with Chipmunk? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the stuff, the stuff, kind of stuff I'm more anxious about, because I produced so much of it, it's just mm-hmm. like, ah. Oh, that bass ain't cutting through like I want it to, mm-hmm. to. Like, ah, oh, it's not like them old jungle records, man. Like, oh, just stuff like that. I already know that we're coming, like, it's a whole new, there's so much art. There's so much new, new rap, new yeah. artists that I listen to. I do go on Grand Daily every day and I see what's out. Mm-hmm. So, and I listen to it, especially the, the young driller youths. I, like, I listen to it. So I already know that there's no, I'm not trying to compete with them necessarily. Mm-hmm. So, and now I've got a strong fan base, strong, low fan base of people all creeds, colours or, or or demographics or whatever that just want to hear some new shit and I've got it for them. It's a nice balance because I've still got the, the upbeat shit. Like, the, like even the, the track I was telling you about that was inspired by me watching your interview mm-hmm. with... Uh, Glenn Tamplin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a track called You Don't Know. It's like like a garagey thing. Garage, what is a garage tune? That, uh, I actually got the beat because I'm, I, um, I was in Switzerland one day and when I come off the flat, a guy introduced himself to me and uh, his name's Decline. And then he, they, I didn't know him, but they explained to me, he made the song, I don't smoke the reefer. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh shit, sometimes people have to explain to me what yeah. tune they made, mm-hmm. didn't it? I was like, oh, okay. So then we started working, but, it went, but that was like years ago. Mm-hmm. But then he gave me this beat, I had it for a while, but weren't sure about it. But then one day 
I was just sitting down, in, I think I was in the studio at home and I was just watching YouTube. So I was sitting and just watching mm -hmm. YouTube. And then your thing come on. I don't even know why I clicked on it. And I just watched the whole thing. And there was a part when he was talking about, um, he was in the club, it was P. Diddy, after P. Mm -hmm. P Diddy ties and that, and he was popping bottles and doing mm -hmm. all that. And it, it, it reminded me like of when I first did all that. And I know the error he's talking about because of his age. And I know that I came directly behind that. So I still saw all of that. Mm -hmm. I saw China Whites. I saw faces and all the, them places that I'm not, I've, in my mind, I know what yeah. he's talking about. So then it reminded me, inspired me. And then part, part of that is in the verse that I wrote, mm -hmm. became part a big part of, of the mm -hmm. tune. Like it, it gave me the juice yeah. to, like, to add that part of, mm -hmm. of it on that. Now. So that, that was good. Yeah, yeah, I fucking love that, mate. That yeah. You've watched one of my podcasts and got an, a bit of inspiration, inspiration from it. Like, for real, because I, I had the beat for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah class. Like, that's it. What do you think the state of like grime is now? Do you think there's a lot of good boys coming through, a lot of good artists? As far as, far as grime, yeah, it's, it's not at the forefront of the charts mm -hmm. or like mainstream right now, but I think it's been so influential even to the, whatever, a lot of the drill scene or even a lot of yeah. the Afro swing guys. A lot of them were grime MCs at one point. Yeah. And just moved on to other shit and that's what's worked for them. Yeah. Like, just like I didn't know that a song with Armour Van Helden would probably be my, my biggest song, maybe. It's arguable mm -hmm. that Bonkers is my biggest tune. Yeah. You try something new and that's what ends up taking off. I think that's what happened with a lot of the guys that are popping right now. I reckon a lot of them were into grime, mm -hmm. but that's not what took them to yeah. the top. Yeah, of course, you've got to utilise it to the advantage. Look at Storms in that, working with Ed Sheeran, and mm. it, it opens doors, man, and it's and, and I believe it's good business. It's good oh, music, it and uh, Stamens yeah. look bugs him alone. What do you think of like, the beef in that? I know Wiley's the king of beef, like him and um, Storms. He's not the king of beef. Yeah, he's but you know what I mean? He's always... What do you think about like, him and Storms? Do you think, do you think that's good for Grime to, to get more traffic towards it? Nah. I don't even care. If I'm honest, didn't it? Yeah. I don't even care, man. So for Dizzy Rascal, seventh album coming out, what's your plans for the future? Another album. After this, yeah. <laughs> Greedy bastard. Yeah, so like, yeah, I'll keep going, man. Like, like I said, I'm obsessed. It's, this is still my hobby. So just, be, just I'll still learn about music. I'll still mm -hmm. learn about music all the time. I sit and watch documentaries. I sit and like, little little dumb things. Like it might not be interesting to some viewers. Like, okay, I didn't, I'm not, I didn't know the, the 909 drum kit w it was invented and then it got utilised by a bunch of people in Chicago because it it was cheap because it hadn't sold very well. So it was, they were, that's why they were able to buy it so cheap in those ghettos. And a whole fucking genre was born out of that, which was house music. Yeah. I'm 35, I learned that this week. I knew what house music was, but I didn't know those little details. So what I'm basically saying is so much for me to still learn. Like, you know what I mean? Shit like that. Today, whatever, I've, I've, I just, in, on the, on the, in the car on the way to you, I just saw, um, what was that? What's that? What's that? Tele telephonic, what are they called? Oh, Technotronic. Technotronic. I just see the Pump Up The Jam video for the first time in my life. I knew Pump the tune. Up The Jam? I've, the I've, I've never seen the video before. <laughs> It's like, a fucking weird video. It's like acid. It's like somebody's trapping balls. You see what I'm saying? But I've never seen it before. Yeah. Like, just little things like that. I know it sounds like I'm straying away from the point, but my point is there's so much to still learn. So I'm, I'm going to continue to keep yeah. making music because I just keep getting inspiration mm -hmm. from all this, all the stuff that's just 
at there. Yeah, there's so much we will constantly learning. I know you're big. You're not. You're big on social media. You're massive, but you don't really nah. interact with it. Nah, nah. nah I think it fucks with your mind. Why is that? Why do you do that though? I think it gets in the way, man. I think yeah. it gets in the way. It's not. It's not every. It's not. You don't always need to know what people got to say to you. Got to yeah. got like. It feels like it's not as intense in person. Like people see you, it's easy as like, what's going on? Yo, Dizzy, this what's going on, brother? You cool? You want a picture? Alright, cool. Sometimes you want a picture. Sometimes I don't want to take a picture for whatever reason. Whatever, mm-hmm. seven in the morning, I'm on the airport. <laughs> I'm hungry. I ain't eating yet, or whatever. Or I'm just in a bad mood because someone mm-hmm. pissed me off, and I don't feel like taking a picture right now. I'm not being rude. It just is where it is, isn't just it? Can't but, be asked. but you're just rude anyway by default. Mm-hmm. So you're a cunt then, isn't it? Like, yeah. So, but you navigate that. That's cool. Majority of the time, I'm nice to everyone, and people are nice. But online, sometimes it just gets in the way, man. Like the, sh- the shit people say, like people, it's like people look for shit to be pissed off about, and then mm-hmm. and then ah, and then and then just go mad yeah. in the comment section. Yeah, people just, can be nasty bastards. It's easy to there on the on yeah thing, behind the screen. Yeah, so for me, yeah. they're pussies, man. They're just fucking weak. When you're outside there, what do you see? When you're driving about, right, what do you see? People minding their own damn business, yeah. staying the fuck out of each other's way. Mm-hmm. That's what the real world's like, innit? Mm-hmm. But obviously, stuff from that, it spills into the real world. It can do, innit? Yeah. It can cause problems. But I've definitely, especially because I've got, I've got an album coming, I've definitely obviously made more effort to mm-hmm. to be a bit more interact a bit more. That. Yeah, it's business as well, isn't it? Yeah, but but but, and, but don't get me wrong. Some there are a lot of good interactions. It's people that have been to old shows or people that remind you of stuff that you fully forgot. Like, mm-hmm. oh, that show or that little, mm-hmm. like those things are there, they're gems. Like, yeah. but, it's like, but sometimes you have to go through a bunch of stuff yeah. or whatever, or people remind you like or, of some, some shit that you don't even need to know about as well. Like, yeah. or, or, or people to do some shit that you did when you were 17. Like, and to an extent I can. Like I said, I've got songs on here, beats on here that will sound similar or same energy as they did when I was, 17 mm-hmm. but I can't be 17 again so yeah but you yeah. became sex successful before social media As a lot well. of people can be successful just by fucking releasing a video on Instagram or YouTube right it's a weird different success but you did that how was your work ethic then was it non-stop because you never had the social media to utilise as an advantage there was less media. I guess it was more TV and radio then, isn't it? And then just, yeah. well, pirate radio was our first social media because that's what brought people together. Mm-hmm. People were listening live. We, but the thing is, maybe it was easier because we didn't know, there was no number. It feels like everyone, you, like even me, it feels like you're chasing the numbers game now. So mm-hmm. that adds to the anxi- anxiety. Yeah. How many views? How many likes? How many, all, like, what the fuck is that? We were on radio going mad, spitting our hearts out mm-hmm. and don't even know if 30 people were listening. Yeah. And it was great. And then that that's what elevated us to the raves. And that's what elevated, elevated us, whatever, record label signing us and then for taking it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All this, I feel like a lot of this shit just gets in the way unnecessarily. Yeah, but but we just, you know what? I guess it's just how whatever people felt when music videos came in. So some people that didn't want to take to it, okay, it's, it's, a, it's a similar thing. It's just, a, it's just adjustment. Mm-hmm. So it's more about having to adjust. That's more important than me f- whatever moaning about ah fucking I don't want to do that you know what I mean like it's an adjustment Uh yeah yeah that's what it is and 
We've just got to fucking try and utilise everything to our advantage. To be fair though, like I did spaz a little bit. Like those, like I said, those years where I was out enjoying myself, mm-hmm. I think that's probably where I actually grew my Instagram following. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I was I was wilding, man. I was showing I was showing shit that I wouldn't usually show. Yeah. I was getting excited Big and, and I built up all sorts of shit like yeah. that just at the time because I'm because you're, you're out there. It's a different culture out there. There's stuff that's just cr- a bit more acceptable out there. And it's more almost mainstream culture mm-hmm. out there than it is here. But like, if I'm in in a fucking strip club, <laughs> eat, eating chicken, uh-huh. getting whatever massive ass in front of me, mm-hmm. filming it out there in two in the morning, it's cool, isn't it? Yeah. But it's eight in the morning in England. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing people see. Ass and checking. And sometimes it's kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's, th- it's that thought process that like, yeah. so like oh shit, actually, mm-hmm. nah, you can't do that. Yeah. So I told yeah. it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, because you're a role model as well. People are looking for you as the answers, as inspiration. Apparently, for, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every now and then we're random, like, I ain't got the answers. You know? <laughs> I'm yeah. still looking. So for your next, you're going to try and get, do our next, an album straight away for next year? I've already started. Any big names coming on that? Can't say. I can, man. I've got, I've got, I've got a little sight in with, um, with Noel Gallagher. Oh, that'll and be fucking Cole. legendary. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just right, right now it's being mixed. Yeah, but yeah, that that's one. And the rest, I'm just, I'm just experimenting. I said I bought a bunch of new keyboards, bunch of new hardware, and just um, experimenting. So I'm coming mm-hmm. up with stuff, yeah. writing bits, recorded a few bits, mm-hmm. but. I said this album ain't even out. By the time this one comes, this album, this album get you back out. on yeah, again. Yeah. Anyway, oh come on, man. Yeah. Pause. Before we finish up, we'll touch on a couple of things. Glastonbury headline. Mm. It must be happening, now. Eh? You'd think, innit? it? Yeah. You'd think, man. If we all them festivals, man, I'd fucking, I put the groundwork in. Yeah. For like all mm-hmm. these MCs, like for really, because I was at all these festivals when they definitely had no faith in UK rappers Rap. or MCs like there was definitely there was, there was some other UK rappers around that was almost its own thing it was almost like a separate thing but as far as carrying a show to a massive crowd like show after show like mm-hmm. yeah I did that from like 14, 15 years ago yeah and, you, and I've done Glastonbury so many times and there's a couple times where I should have been the headliner, but they put me the one, the one just before. Yeah. Again, because they, they, they have the faith, or maybe whoever it is, they this the same time. Maybe they're thinking they're, they're trying to sell tickets, and who's mm-hmm. going to be the bigger yeah. draw? But it definitely there's one there's one year where Red Hot Chili Peppers, I think, dropped out, and they put they replaced him with the Gorillas instead of putting me up. Mm-hmm. And it's like you definitely you could have just like put me in that slot yeah, there yeah, because yeah. I've got this. My shows are is my show is a headline show. It doesn't matter where we are, mm-hmm. because just there's, there's too many bangers. Mm-hmm. It's just too jam with too many bangers, and we give it a thousand percent. Yeah. It's just a headline show. Like, yeah. it's just, like it's to just get no the fucking winning. crowd yeah. walking away in a high. Yeah, that's yeah. that's what we do. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what it is. And every now and then, sometimes well, you're gonna have a show that wasn't as good as you wanted it to be yeah. for whatever reason. But come on, man! Yeah, it'll happen. Fucking get the fingers but out. If, but no, but if it doesn't happen, so what? Yeah. It's like past but you've still anyway. been on the main stage, but be, like being second last, it's like finishing it's second it's like being in a, a race. second man on yeah. the moon, innit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I was the second man on the moon. Like, no, one made a film, no one made a film about the second man on the moon, yeah. did they? It will happen. It yeah. will definitely happen. Cool. Last question, brother. 
I know because of like coronavirus and all this shit. Yeah. For all like festivals and stuff, you're still doing a lot of headline and stuff, but it's drive through, is it? No, nah, that that one got cancelled as well. <laughs> yeah. It just went on Piers Morgan for no reason. Uh, Good morning, Britain. Did it? Yeah, yeah. everything cancelled. So, do you think everything will be back next year? Then, where people can enjoy a concert, or do you think musicians I, I, I honestly don't know, man? I don't, I, hopefully, you can in it, but I don't know how you're gonna have a festival with every, like of I don't know, say eighty thousand people, or even one of the smaller ones, yeah. thirty thousand people. What two meters apart? Yeah. Good and luck. that thousand fucking people there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, or 30,000 people yeah, there. Yeah. So like, okay, how's that going to work, innit? Yeah. Like, and then mm-hmm. I almost like, uh, I, I wouldn't want to have to go through all those things, like go go through that bunch of testing before I go to a festival to, yeah. get, to get, I don't know. Yeah, hopefully things can move forward. But Dizzy, yeah. for coming on today, brother, and telling your story, it's been unbelievable. I've, uh, I very much appreciate it. For just finishing up, mate, anybody watching, just looking for a wee bit of inspiration, just want to start off in the rap scene, what advice would you have for them? What advice would I... Um, Don't do it. <laughs> definitely do it. Definitely do it. It's not always going to go your way. Mm-hmm. And just, if you really want it, just don't do anything else. That's what I did. I dropped out of college because I made up my mind, like, why am I here? I could mm-hmm. be doing this outside. And within that year, that's when I got the record deal. Yeah. So, like I said, it's not always going to be easy, though. I don't want to tell everyone to, anyone to drop out of college and that. Yeah. Just, just stick at it because one thing I've learned: anything can happen, man. Some of these guys that you see and popping right now, they're always smashing it. They've been in the game a while. They look new. Their success is new, but they're not new. They just, they just stuck at it. Yeah, brother. Yes, sir. Congratulations on the new you, album man. coming out. I look forward to hearing that. Yeah, and have a great day. Brother. You too. You can also watch my podcast on my YouTube channel. The link is in the bio if you'd like to subscribe. You can follow me on my social media platforms to see who my next guest is. Follow me on Facebook at JamesEnglish11, Twitter, JamesEnglish0, Instagram, JamesEnglish2. You can also download these podcasts on iTunes or Spotify. Sports Social Podcast Network.